didn't invent great sound. We perfected it. We are controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. with the unknown and paranormal realms since childhood. After a profound experience with my grandmother's spirit 20 years ago, I have been on a quest to observe, study, investigate, and communicate with the afterlife and beyond. It's been an ongoing journey of exploration and discovery, one that has taught me how mortality and the spirit world are forever bonded through the veils of time. Welcome everyone tonight on this fabulous Thursday on the WLTKDB network. That's WLTKDB.com. You are listening to the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond with yours truly, Nicole Strickland. And I am so excited for tonight, folks. I am so excited to have this guest on. I met this guest at the Oregon Ghost Conference. I want to say it was 2015, so five years ago already. The Oregon Ghost Conference is one of the leading paranormal conventions on or at, I should say, or up in the Pacific Northwest. And it's uh, held by Rocky Smith. He's a well-known historian and paranormal researcher up there. And I've met so many fabulous people from this convention, including my next guest. And since then, she's become a dear friend of mine. She's one of my tribe, I should say. So I'm really happy to have her on. Welcome to the Afterlife Chronicles, Linda Myers. It's so happy. I'm so happy to have you tonight. How are you doing? I'm really doing great, Nicole, and I'm so honored to be able to be on your show with you. Yes, I know. I mean, I I haven't seen you, and I think it's been a couple of years since the last Oregon Ghost Conference, and then, of course, COVID hit and all of that, so I'm missing everyone up there, and I hope you guys are, are doing well and everyone's holding up. Any Have you done any, um, any investigations? Oh, go ahead. Uh, yes, we've done a couple. Um trying to be really, really careful with social distancing and, you know, making sure that uh, we're taking care of ourselves and any clients that um, are, are needing an investigation right now. So well, that's um, good. not as much, yeah, not as much as, as what we normally do, but yeah, like given the, the COVID it's, it's um, kind of put a crimp on the investigations and um, hanging out with our tribe. I know, I know. I think everyone's feeling that. I know down here we we do monthly tours at the Rancho Buena Vista Adobe, and those have been closed. 
Oh, since March. So I feel you. I know. So I just I hope that we can all get together. I know that we're doing a virtual. uh, Some of us are doing a virtual uh, paranormal convention with the Port Gamble Ghost Conference, which is, I believe, in November. But I really hope that we can all get together uh, this next March. I'm, I'm really keeping my fingers crossed. So, yeah, and I think I think all of us that you know have something to do with paranormal, the research and investigations and stuff. Um, to have these conferences where we not only can share, you know, the knowledge we have, but um, we get to be with like-minded people like yourself and and the others that we've met there and share ideas and and things that we've seen and learned and uh, um, it's so invaluable. Oh, it is. I always say that uh, shared knowledge leads to brightened horizons. And I, I truly believe that. And it's it's important, I think, to be around those that have, you know, similar viewpoints, similar approaches to spirit communication and, and paranormal research. So I'm, I mean, I'm blessed to have met so many amazing people from the Pacific Northwest community. So um, it's really an honor. Speaking of which, you are a part of the Olympic Peninsula Paranormal Society. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, How long have you been working member. with them? Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, I'm a fairly new member. Uh, I was actually part of Conscious Paranormal Research and Investigation. However, um, most of us live in different cities, so it became really difficult for us to get together and, right. and do investigations, you know, and stay connected. And so um, we're all still very close and keep in touch, but we've kind of dissolved the conscious uh, CPRI. And so because that's so much of, of who I am and what I do, I spoke with uh, Mary Bethune, who's part of the Olympic Paranormal and and I uh, told them I'd be very interested in joining, you know, if the opportunity arose and, and they had a vacancy. And fortunately for me, earlier this year, uh, I was able to join with them. Awesome. That is so amazing. So what's your role with the team? Do you have like a, one specific role or are you do you wear many hats? I, w- I would say many hats. Um, I think that's important. There are- I do think that's important. Exactly. And and as a matter of fact, um, I think when you belong to any kind of investigative team, it's so important to wear, you know, more than one hat, because I think if you get focused on doing one job, then you miss what the rest of it is about. And and, I mean, there's so much to learn. Um, There's so many new techniques and, and pieces of equipment and things that are out there now that if you don't wear, you know, more than one hat, then I think you you miss a lot of stuff. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, I, I mean, when I first started, I was all about, oh, just the audio portion. Oh, just EVP work and this and that. But now that I've had many years in the field, I it's so important to, ha- to know all the different methodologies and even branch out and try things that are new that you may be a little scared to try. But, you know, I think it's important. So... So you've been interested in the paranormal for quite some time. So when, I guess, when did that interest, I guess, come about for you in, in the paranormal field and the supernatural? Well, the first, the first instance um, is one that I've talked to you about. And yes. that was um, when my brother passed away. Oh, um, It was 
it was pretty traumatic because he and I um, were very, very close. Uh, sometimes in families, you'll find, you know, it, an instance where the kids are very close and not too close to the parents. And so when a part right. of your group, like my brother and I, when something happens with that, it's, it's very dramatic. And so I was a pretty angry person for quite some time. And several months after he passed away, some good friends of mine invited me to visit them in Colorado. And so I could just kind of get away and get more of a clear head. Um, I went ahead and went. And um, one of the nights that I was there, they had a pretty good storm and the lights were taken out. So we were kind of put right back to the, the basics, you know, no power, no anything. So relying totally on, on yourself or any kind of entertainment. And right. so there are two, two young girls there and I was talking with them a lot and somehow they were talking about ghosties. And so we all went to bed sort of with that on our mind. And in my mind, I'm thinking at this time, how, how could I contact and find out that my brother is okay. So right. um, I went to bed, not thinking about really any specific thing, but just wishing that there was something out there that said to me, hey, I'm okay. So about, I think it was about 2 a.m. in the morning, if I remember correctly, uh, I woke up from a dream that just absolutely over a period of time changed the way I thought and, and believed uh, death was about. Um, right. In, in the dream, I'm in a cave-like room, and the furniture is all handmade, and so it's all you know. It's not in the future. It's it's in the past time frame, and so my brother is standing across the room from me in the dream, and he has a bow and arrow, and he's holding it, and he's aiming it aiming it at me. And he looks at wow. me and he says, I can shoot you with this. It will hit you in the heart. Your heart will stop, but you won't die. Wow. And I woke up from that. I was just, I, I totally blown away. Uh, I've never had anything to do with paranormal. I've never thought anything about what death may or may not be like. And it was almost, um, like the perfect setting, having the storm, having talked a little bit about ghosties. And it was like maybe opened a door or an opportunity for him to come through from the other side in the dream time and say, I'm not dead. I'm just on the other side. It sounds like too, I mean, maybe you subconsciously as well as even consciously gave him that opportunity to share with you and to allow you to understand hey there is this connection and so i think it's a beautiful you know, I thing i mean i believe you're i believe you're 100 correct because we were so close and i think that you know for him if he was able to view me from the other side he would have known how traumatized i was and and wanted would have wanted to make sure that i knew that he was okay that you know that's it's there's a parallel parallel here because i've i've often shared you know when my grand maternal grandmother died i mm -hmm. had a profound experience with her spirit i'm sure you've uh, heard me talk about this 
And I credit her to, I really do credit her for paving me on the path of paranormal research. So I almost kind of see that with, with your brother, almost that he helped you get on the path to communicating with spirit and to, uh, you know, conducting paranormal research work. And I, I just think it's just such a beautiful thing. I, I have to totally agree because prior to that, um, I would not have, but if somebody had told me that something like that would happen, I would have probably said, yeah, you're, you're crazy. I don't believe in that stuff. But when it happens to you on a personal level, you, you have a choice. You can, you know, just blow it off and disbelieve, or you can take the path I did and say, maybe there is something more. And uh, from that point on, uh, not too long after that, I had another experience with him. Um, I was home by myself, and this is several months after he passed. And it almost felt like it was another confirmation for me from him. Um, I was laying on the couch trying to catch a little nap because I was working two jobs and I was in between them. And as I was laying there, I felt somebody push, push my back. And I remember saying, uh, Les, leave me alone. You know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm wanting to rest before I go to work. And then, you know, it was then the realization he's not here. He's passed over. And at, right after that happened, I got up and for some reason I looked outside and someone had punctured um, two of the front tires on my vehicle. Oh my goodness. Almost like a, Uh, You know, to me, that was him saying, there's danger, wake up. Absolutely, without a doubt. And that, you know, that's so important to share, too, because it goes to show that there's this very deep connection that mortality has with the spirit realm, with our loved ones, whether they're friends or or siblings or, or pets or coworkers, and that relationship lasts even after they pass on and transition and only that I mean they're able to I I really do feel that the spirit world does try to help humanity on a consistent basis and so that's an example of that that is just oh I just have goosebumps all over me right now wow I meant to ask you too with the previous experience the words he said I what do you make of what he told you you know I could shoot you in the heart but you wouldn't die. What do you think his, well, his think message? It, of... I think what he meant for me. Yeah. I think what he meant for me to understand is that the heart stops, but you don't die. Right. And okay. I thought a lot about, I thought a lot about that. Uh, you know, I mean, it, for, for the longest time, it's like, what, what exactly? And I think kind of the underlying message for me there was that you aren't about your heart. Um, right. you're about your soul and your spirit. So even if that muscle that continues to pump blood through your body stops, um, you continue. That's so well put. And it goes to show, you know, our human body is just the vessel and what's exactly. inside of it, our soul, our, 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 the essence of each human being that I, which obviously is the soul that lives no matter what. So yeah, I I agree with you. That's kind of what I thought hearing your story. 
but I wanted to mm-hmm. to get what your your opinion was on that. Does your brother come through uh, on a regular basis and communicate with you, or is it just intermittent? Interesting that you would ask that. Um, I actually do feel him around. However, there's one thing that I've noticed. Um, I have a son, and every once in a while, I will catch myself talking to him like I'm talking to my brother. I will say to him, hey, do you remember that? Remember when we did that? And remember what the results of that were? And then all of a sudden, I'll just like, oh, my God, this is my son I'm talking to. And I'll I'll just kind of get the chills because it's almost like um, I'm speaking to both of them at the same time. It's the craziest feeling. And that must be so comforting. I mean, I, you know, I'm just uh, to me, that would be just utterly comforting. And I'm wondering, too, if maybe your brother has come through. I mean, obviously comes through your son as well. I don't know if there's a reincarnation aspect or anything like that, but it sounds like he tries to keep up, you know, the communication process through your son as well. Yeah, the reincarnation idea, you know, that came, um, that thought, I also had that thought. And then at the same time, um, ever since he was real young, I've always felt like that my brother was possibly his guardian. There's been cases where, you know, you, you think your kid should have gotten really hurt. And then there was these things that happened and, and they were protected. And so um, I'm not sure if it's, it's it, whether it's his guide or reincarnation, either one I'm totally happy with because it still makes me feel connected to him on such a personal level. Such a personal, such a deep level. And it's, it's those experiences, they're unique to you. Sometimes it's yes. hard for other people to, to understand because they're not, they don't have that relationship like you did with your brother, but it's, it's just the same, like with my grandmother, like that experience was so unique to me. Others may not understand it in the capacity that, that I do. So it's, this, wow, this is, is where it's good to have your tribe. Yes. I mean, those, those, you know, the people that when you're talking to, they just can empathize, they can sympathize because they get it and maybe they've had similar experiences. So it it is very important to have that network of people. What, so how would you, and I know we have to take a a break in a couple of minutes here, two to three minutes, but, uh, and we can discuss if we're not finished, we can discuss more after the break, but how did your viewpoints of death and the dying process change after the experiences that you had with your brother? Well, initially, like I said, that um, I really had no concept, you know, being a young, I was 19 years old when he passed. So being pretty young and not having been exposed to having lost anybody, um, it, it was it was pretty shattering. Uh, I was a pretty angry person. I would say for probably close to a year and a half at him being taken away from me. And I think because of that, I was real fortunate in being drawn to some people who had had experiences as well. And we started talking, you know, about the things that had happened and it became really clear to me afterwards that like we were talking about his message was yes the body's gone 
but my soul and spirit live on. And the more I thought about that and the more I researched and read about it and, and saw similar people having same experiences, um, it totally changed. It, I'm not afraid of dying anymore. Right. That's, I, I'm you know, yeah, that's huge because I mean, I can even I, I, actually, you know what, we're going to have to take a break uh, right now. So when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. So stay tuned, folks. You are listening to the Afterlife Chronicles and beyond on the WLTKDB network. Maggie Reiki is a full-service Reiki therapy center offering both in-person and distance Reiki sessions. Reiki is a gentle healing energy that can assist in clearing, repairing, and maintaining energy that is vital for optimal health. Reiki can also assist with anxiety, depression, and even addiction. You can schedule a Reiki session by visiting our website, www.mackeyreiki.com. That's www.m-a-c-k-e-y-r-e-i-k-i.com. Patreon is a place for creators. We're one of them. Visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash WLTKDB. Check out all the unique support tiers we offer. You can get early release episodes, station mugs and t-shirts, free station service work, and much more. Help the station reach its $1,000 per month goal to make our station totally ad-free. Patreon.com slash WLTKDB. We appreciate your support. WLTK DB Let's Talk Going on vacation can be an overwhelming task Let's face it You want the best destinations at the cheapest prices But where do you even start? The confusion stops now And Mickey World Travel is exactly where you need to be Ryan Wren, a travel consultant with Mickey World Travel Will take the reins and leave you with this Instead of this No way! From Disney Cruises to Walt Disney Parks, Ryan works hard for you and gets you that perfect vacation you deserve. Getting started is as simple as calling 615-815-5529. That's 615-815-5529. Or email Ryan at ryan at mickeyworldtravel.com. Ryan Wren and Mickey World Travel. Making memories that last a lifetime. Twenty-two minutes past the hour, folks, on the WLTKDB network, WLTKDB.com. You are tuning into the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond radio show with our fabulous guest tonight, Linda Myers from the Olympic Peninsula Paranormal Society. So before the break, we were talking about... uh, some of uh, Linda's profound experiences after the tragic passing of her brother. Specifically, we were talking about uh, her, how her viewpoints of death and the dying process, how they changed after her brother's transition. So we can go ahead and continue that. I know we were, um, you were elaborating on uh, 
how you were aware of that, but go ahead and continue what we were talking about there. Uh, I think that we had ended with the fact that I told you that I'm not afraid to die. Um, I right. think almost everybody at some point in their lifetime, you know, however they come into contact with mortality has those thoughts about um, what is there after this. And a lot of it is fear driven, I think, because of not knowing what happens when you die. And, you know, I, I'm not sure. I know there's a long history of um, maybe placing fear in people's minds about dying, period. But one of the things that I think is so important, and I'm so glad that we're um, able to talk about this and, and get it out there yes. is that there should not be any fear because if you right. think about, if you think about it as this horrific thing, then you don't live your life. You're, you're spending all your time being afraid of what's next. And so I think exactly. that talking about it and then talking with people who, especially some of the piece, people that have had the near death experience, if, you know, telling um, I've not seen one negative or heard of one negative experience at this point. And I um, haven't either. I might, yeah. I had an experience after um, I had my son and I, in this experience, I didn't, I didn't pass away, but I experienced being out there in the universe is the only way I can explain it. And something, something happened that pulled me back. And I remember when I first kind of came to, I, I'd been through surgery and I don't remember anything that happened with that was that if I had chosen, I could have kept on going wherever it was that I was going and it was not bad. It was peaceful. It was quiet. And there was this sense of sense of kind of like uh, joy. And I said to myself, you know, a few years after I started getting more involved in the paranormal, this is a perfect explanation from spirit, I think, telling me what my brother actually meant when he did say those words, that there's nothing to fear. Do you think that maybe in that state, do you think your brother was trying to almost have you experience what he went through when he was transitioning? That way you could experience it yourself? I, I totally believe that's a possibility, possibility because it wasn't. Yeah, it was it was probably only about four years after he had passed. And I was still, you know, kind of in that state trying to understand. And so I think that would have been a perfect message and a perfect way for me, you know, to be clear about what his message was. Absolutely. I mean, when you when you had that experience, was it actually do you think a near death experience or do you think it was more or less like a an, an astral projection or something like that you know and i'm not a hundred percent sure um i i've done astral sometimes we astral don't projection. know you know sometimes we don't know yeah. and that, that's yeah. the beauty of it it was very similar very similar to an astral projection um i would say the only difference being that um, I knew I had a choice whether to come back or not. That right. was the first. So you had that choice. Yeah. That that's that's a beautiful thing. And how would you describe I me? Mean, because I've actually 
not consciously. I've a few times astral projected in my sleep, but all that I remember is almost floating over like cities and towns, almost like that very old 80s HBO uh, network introduction. I don't know if some people remember that, but it's just where you see houses and like communities and neighborhoods below you. But I can't say that I've ever been out into like the universe or galaxies. So did you go out beyond? Way, way out there. I mean, it was it, it was such a feeling of immenseness that, wow. you know, how they talk about sometime like a little um, a person could be like a little piece of sand on the beach in re- in relation to what the universe is, is kind oh of my like. God. And I use that reference a lot. That's so funny. Great minds think alike. Yes. Absolutely. Did you mean it, it was? It, it, no, uh uh-uh. No, it was just it was just no, you it was and, just and the vastness. Me. Okay. Yeah, and I just remember thinking, you know, at the time how beautiful it was. I remember um wanting to keep going because I wanted to see more. And then it it was just like this instant moment. I just I it was like I was jerked back. Right. And yeah. next thing I know, yeah. I'm waking up in a hospital bed not remembering how I got there. And how, I mean, you may have been under medication too. I don't know the circumstances, but when you, that first instant when you woke up, how did you physically and like emotionally feel? Were you peaceful? Did you have anxiety? The first minute I was, it was fear. It was like, what's happening to me? You know, I was like, and then the other, the the other um, thought was, no, I'm not done yet. I want to see, I want to go see more. Right, right. Oh my God, that sounds so fascinating. I mean, I've, you know, I've done some research on near-death experiences and I'm not sure if that's, you know, exactly what you witnessed or experienced or not, but they do say that a lot of the the NDE experiencers, if you will, and there have been numerous mm-hmm. studies. There's been a famous study done at uh, New York University. I, I think they might still be doing the study or it was pretty recent. And a lot of people will report obviously that tunnel right where you you see that tunnel and you see the bright light at the end and you might see figures on in that bright light floating by but then when they go through that many people describe a very vibrant beautifulness to the atmosphere like they almost describe it being similar to the surroundings here on earth but just the colors are more vibrant uh the energy is a lot more positive uh everything's just in its natural beautiful state so that it kind of sounds like that's kind of what you may have experienced yeah um i kind of have to maybe lead towards you know the astral experience only because right after really excuse me researching a lot of the ndes um there, there was no tunnel at all I was just free floating in space and uh so I I think I would have to lean towards the astral and maybe yeah being yeah being sent out there to get the to get the feeling of what it was to be right totally free and unencumbered and but without you know without scaring the heck out of me Exactly. Yeah. It sounds like I agree with you. It almost sounds like more of like an astral projection, but you know, I think an NDE experience and an astral projection 
there's some similarities and you know, overlapping similarities there. I mean, I've never experienced it myself, but just based on what I've read, mm-hmm. um, let's see. So you've, you and I've talked about you having some other spiritual connections with some other people that are close to you. Uh, can you elaborate on those a little bit? Gosh, my my mind is a little out of it <laughs> today, right. uh, especially at six thirty p.m. at night, <laughs> well, Pacific Standard Time, I should say. Just trying to remember who we talked about. Um, I've I've have I've had experiences with ghosts. Um, yes, and I honestly believe that if I hadn't experienced the things that I had when I was younger, um, if the if the things had happened to me. Um, I would not have believed, or if somebody told me about them, I would have, would not have believed them. And one of the things that happened to me was when I, I, I had bought a new house with my um, previous husband. And I remember we were in bed and I woke up about, I think it was that golden hour between two and three. And yes. I looked in the corner of the room and there was a man and a woman standing in the corner of the room and they were dressed in kind of like the old farm garb, the guy with coveralls and the lady with the long dress, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Yes. I started to wonder um, what the heck was going on. But at that point I knew I was absolutely 100% awake. And so I started watching them and I was really okay with it. It was very calm. There was, you know, there's no feelings of, you know, no reason to be afraid um, until the lady started walking towards the um, side of the bed where I was at. And I chickened out and put my head under the covers. Oh, that's normal though. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, when you're in like, when you're in your bed, it's like your, your private time and you know, it's the, the, one room in the house that you don't want to be disturbed so I can totally exactly. understand but it's like you know it's almost what like an, oh go ahead I'm sorry I was gonna say a cool confirmation for that uh, particular incident was that that summer when we were uh, tearing up the backyard to, to put in a lawn and we found several um, old lawn equipment pieces you know Oh, interesting. So it kind of confirmed that at some point somebody lived there and actually had these farm tools. That that sounds like a pretty big possibility. And it's almost it almost sounds like that experience just hearing you talk about it was more intelligent than something residual. Because it sounds like exactly. they they knew that you sensed them. They knew that you could see them visually. And I find that, you know, the more sensitive a person is, it seems like the spirit realm and even other entities as well can gravitate to those who are more sensitive. Speaking of that, oh, my goodness. And I think this is so amazing. You actually were tested by the uh, Edgar Casey Foundation for intuitive skills. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Um, that is I so amazing. I happen to live in Virginia Beach for uh, about five years with my ex-husband. And interestingly enough, we ended up living on uh, in Virginia Beach. And the Institute was probably one mile from my house or the oh, house wow. that we were renting. And <clears throat> I had read a lot about Edgar Casey um, after the stuff that happened, you know, 
for me with my brother and a couple other things, I got very interested in the Edgar Casey thing because of all the, you know, the stuff that Edgar Casey talked about and shared. And so I found out that they were doing testing. And so I thought, well, let's see if there's anything different for me since I've had these experiences, because I would say prior to that, I probably didn't really, um, I wasn't, I don't know, intuitive or maybe awake to it. And so I went and they, they used several, several things to test you. Um, one that I really like, and I still really believe in is the Zenner cards. Yes, I was just and thinking those. How funny is that? I like I was when you said the word testing, that's what I was imagining the Zenner cards. Yep. Yeah. And uh, studies show they're very accurate. And right. I was I was on a roll. I was doing really well. And then the other thing that they did that really um, I really liked and I've actually used since when I'm when I'm working with um, clients at, at, at some point is they took a picture and they stuck it inside of one of those big yellow envelopes. Yes. And we were to, we were to write down our, our uh, what we felt about the picture. You know, was there any emotions attached to it? Um, and if if we could go further, what was the picture and what was in it? And when um, when we pulled our pictures out, I was about seventy five percent correct. Oh my goodness, that must have made your day. I mean, how did you feel? I mean, I would, I, if, if it like me, I would feel kind of like, oh my gosh, but then I would feel pretty accomplished too. Well, it made me feel good about the things that had been happening to me. It was kind of like a confirmation for me because it, you Absolutely. know, back, this is back in, back in the early eighties. So we really still weren't talking a lot or sharing with others about the world, you know, psychic or, you know, paranormal investigation, any of those things that was still a relative, relatively new. And yeah. um, you didn't, you had to be careful who you talked to about it. And so it, it just kind of confirmed for me, confirmed for me that these things were really happening. Um, this was a part of who I was and, you know, I needed to be okay with that. And, and, you know, not, not to, uh, put myself down for having intuitive thoughts or actually picking up on things and being correct. And then being afraid that somebody is going to think, Oh my God, this woman's nuts, you know, right. get, get away from. And I think too, I mean that every single one of us has innate intuitive abilities, but not everyone is open to it or knows how to necessarily tap into those abilities. I almost equate it like uh, a sport, soccer, basketball, baseball. The more you practice it, the more you're exposed to it, the better your skills will get. How do you feel about that? I 100% agree. And I think, and this is just, you know, me talking, that when you have experiences, I think that those, you know, innate abilities kind of get put in your face and then you have to you then do have to choose you have to say you know I'm not real comfortable with this or you know th this is who I am these are abilities that you know were given to me and uh, so I have to I have to embrace it and a you know work with it and share what I've you know learned 
Absolutely. And there's, I mean, we don't have to just use intuitive abilities with paranormal research work or spirit communication. I mean, they help in pretty much with any facet of life. And so I think too, you know, especially in the last, I would say 20 years, more and more people are open to discussing psi phenomena or paranormal phenomena. And I think that that that's so important for people that do have these abilities that are shy about talking about it to others. Maybe they're afraid, you know, they're going to be judged or, you know, people are going to suggest them, oh, you have to go live in an institution, that sort of thing. So I think, you know, all this exposure is really opening up people's eyes in a good way. Well, that's where I think the paranormal conferences and this radio show, and I will say one or two shows on TV. I'm not going to elaborate on that. (laughs) I hear you on that. I do. I hear you. That's a whole other discussion there. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's okay now. It's okay to be intuitive. And the important thing I would like to bring out about intuitive is that if you learn to trust it, and and I agree with you, I think that everybody's born with a, a certain level of it. I think you have a much fuller and and uh, joyful life when you pay attention to what's going on out there and use those gifts, you know, for yourself and and for the good of other people. I couldn't have said it better. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And I mean, the whole thing. I think, you know that you mentioned, you know, the television shows, and I you know that's a whole nother discussion. But, you know, I agree with you, one or two of them, I think do a, a, a good job and, and, you know, portraying what we do. But you know, you have to remember, they are sensational, they are for entertainment, entertainment purposes, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it's funny, I know, I should have mentioned this before, but most listeners know who Edgar Casey is. But for the few that may not, he was considered the father of holistic medicine the most well-known psychic in the 20th century he was diagnosed he would be able to go into like a sleep-like state and diagnose illnesses and you know do past life regressions and that sort of thing and he learned how to do or to uh, learn about his abilities I should say after experiencing some of his uh, grandfather's spirit so um, that's kind of who he is I mean that's just like a like you said earlier, like the grain of sand on a beach of who Edgar Casey is. But just in case people are like, Edgar Casey, who's he? Most people will know, though. But you've, uh, speaking of that, what type of, did they tell you what type of uh, intuitive gifts that you have? Or is it a combination of, of clairvoyancy and claircognizance? That um, yeah, actually, they don't go into a whole lot of de- detail, I think, because they don't want to put the thought in your head that, you know, you're this, um, I, I don't, th- I think they don't want to overwhelm you initially, because most of the people that come in are like that, are very new to it, and don't understand it. And I think, like I said, when they do the testing, it, it's, it's pretty, um, it, uh, I don't know the word I want, but anyway, uh, I don't think they, I don't think they want to overwhelm you. So when they talked to me about it, they said that I had a very heightened intuitive self. And then when they talked about like the Zenner cards, they said that basically I was probably over 60%, I think 60, 70% accurate. And that it would probably be 
important for me to work on developing that. So, um, like I said, I don't think they want to come right out there and go, oh my God, you're psychic or, you know, right, stuff like yeah, that. I think they, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they want you, they want you to tune in and they want you to learn more and develop. And, and I think that they're very, I mean, they were so, so helpful, um, not judgmental at all. If you didn't get it, you know, they just said, Hey, it happens. You know, it happens. Sometimes you could come in here tomorrow and take the same test and, and be or, me or, yeah, more accurate. <clears throat> yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Like, Oh, well, what some, you know, it depends on that person too. There's so many factors. I mean, they could go in, like you said, the following day and get a hundred percent, but still that, I just think that's so fascinating that you were tested. Like I would love to be tested. I think that's so cool. I would encourage anybody that has the ability or actually, I mean, yeah. you know, really don't even need to go to an institute to do that. You can do the same things that I just talked about, you know, with a, with a partner um, using the Zenner cards or what I used to do just to, you know, work on my intuitive self as far as knowing what was in, you know, a photo or something. I used to take a magazine and open and you know close it on my hand and and work on colors feelings you know and so you don't really have to go anywhere you you can you can work on doing this yourself but just to to throw something out there as well these paranormal conferences that you know the Oregon and and the Port Gamble those are excellent places to get in touch with people that can help you um, work with these kind of abilities as well Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, the Oregon Ghost Conference and the Port Gamble, I've been to others. Those, they're my favorites. Just the way they're put on, they're so professional. The people that are there have, you know, a genuine interest in what we do. And you're right, you can learn so much. Speaking of conferences, you have taught, uh, let's see, the Paranormal Bootcamp course, and also a course on dowsing and pendulums. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of years back, myself and a friend of mine, Teresa Carroll, um, put together kind of a basic paranormal um, class because there were people talking about wanting to learn um, how to do investigations. And, and at the time, we thought it was important to get information out there because the, the worst thing you can do is hop out there and say you're a paranormal investigator without any kind of training or background. Um, it's easy to get yourself in trouble. There's been cases where people have gone and tried to do investigations and things went wrong and they ended up with a lawsuit. So um, what, what we, we, we teach them about being professional. You know, you're not out there to go into somebody's um, home or hotel or whatever and, you know, play woo-woo. You're there <laughs> to help them. Uh, you're, you're there to help them. So we talk about that. We talk about and something that I'm a firm believer in is protecting yourself when you go some to someone's home. And I'm not saying just about spirits, but you don't know what's been going on in that house. So we teach about that um, and safety. Um, that's one thing that I see a lot of times that people don't seem to think is important. However, <clears throat> I was um, on an investigation where someone wasn't paying attention actually fell and hurt themselves. Now, the thing that is important is if you're going to do an investigation, you need to go there and see that, do a walkthrough, some kind of a, a idea of, of where you're going to be investigating 
so that you don't end up with an injury. Absolutely. Um, we talk about, yep. We Absolutely. Talk about, um, yeah, we talk about investigative equipment. The first thing that a lot of people, what people want to do is go out and buy everything that they see on TV. And really, um, that's kind of the worst thing that you do because you've got to find out if you spent a thousand dollars on equipment, you probably only going to use the one piece of equipment that cost you 50 bucks. So we talked to him about that. Um, we tell him a little bit about, you know, the psychic and intuitive and how they can work on, you know, development and um, a little bit about what's paranormal. Um, you know, what's a spirit, what's a ghost and how important it is, you know, to do a, fo- a follow-up with whoever um, you investigated because you don't want to leave them hanging out there in the wind wondering what the heck, you know, you found out during your investigation. Exactly. And I, I mean, I can't even imagine what team would do that. I mean, you know, keeping up with your clients it, is so important. It's imperative. Yeah. I think that's why it's so important that if you're a person that's experiencing some kind of activity, um, there, I mean, you can get online and like Olympic um, Peninsula Paranorm, we've got a webpage. They can um, Google us and uh, and see what we've done, see see how we do it. Um, I think those things are, are so important um, to, to do some research before you pick somebody to actually come in your home. Um, there's been cases where people with less than, you know, good integrity have come to someone's home and caused more harm than good. And, and so we really talk a lot about that. And uh, let me throw a little kudo out here. Um, uh, A group of the guys, the extra sensory paranormal guys are going to be teaching uh, a boot camp on the, the Port Gamble paranormal. Those guys are excellent. I attended their course, um, and I will say this. Don't ever say you can't learn anything new because you can always learn something new. And um, their class is extraordinary. So I hope if somebody's out there listening, you have an opportunity to attend it. Absolutely. I mean, I know those guys, too. They're fantastic. And, you know, one of the things that I respect about them is they are so professional and they treat the paranormal case study like it should be treated you know they don't treat Absolutely. it they emulate it be, you know like some of the television shows do i will say they don't treat it like mm-hmm. it's a circus show they treat it they like walk the talk yes. yes and so i i can't agree more uh fa- i mean they're fabulous fabulous individuals uh, I actually taught a course. It was a different course, but I think it was with Casey Goodwin and Jay Verberg at the 2017 Port Gamble Ghost Conference. I think it was Paranormal Investigating 101 or something like that. But since then, they've developed. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. That was an excellent class. Yeah, they did most of it. You I guys did an excellent there. job. <laughs> but no, it was fun. But dowsing and pendulums. Now, I use dowsing rods. We use dowsing rods on, on my team and we use pendulums. And I think that they are can be such an important tool. Some people, though, ones that are not really open to the metaphysical approach to paranormal research may shy away from it. What, are, what do you think, I mean, if, in your opinion, what are the benefits to using dowsing rods and or pendulums on a case study? Well, for, for number one, 
when you're using either one and, and I use both, you're actually tapping in through yourself to this universal information that's available to anybody out there that, that is willing to, you know, tap into their intuitive self, trust that whatever that they're finding or, or seeing, or, you know, when they're using the, the pendulums or the, the dowsing rods is actually a, an extension through you of in, uh, universal information. And I totally believe all the information that we want is available if we're willing to use the right tools. And I have to say, I use pendulums and, and dowsing rods a lot. I use them not only for investigations, if I'm trying to make an, a decision on something and I'm not having clarity, then I will use my pendulum. And I would have to say nine times out of 10, I get good information when I trust. I've actually done the same thing with my dowsing rods as well. Now with pendulums, do you prefer a certain sort of crystal? I know a lot of people use quartz or rose quartz, but is uh, there one that you prefer? I think because I'm very, very attuned to crystals, I use different crystals for different things. However, what I would suggest is if you're going to have, or if you're going to get a pendulum, um, spend some time learning about crystals. And one thing I will say about them, when they, when they pick you, you know it. And so yeah, if yes. you're going to, if you're going to learn um, how to use a pendulum um, before you purchase it, hold it in your hand, you know, and, and see how you feel about it. And, and my first pendulum uh, about knocked me off my feet. It was a, it was a clear crystal because at the time that was just what was available. Um, but what I found is that for different things, like if I'm dealing with something um, that has to do with emotions. I find that the rose quartz works really well for me. Um, and then there's a couple um, um, amethyst seems to work well if I'm working with something that has has trauma attached to it. So um, I would say get the pendulum or go somewhere where they have them and and you know hold it in your hand and and see is this the, ask it. Is this the one for you? And I guarantee if you open yourself up and trust your intuitive now to it itself, you're going to, you're going to get something. It's like the first time I had like a pressure in my hand, it felt like somebody was pushing my hand down. Um, if you learn to trust that you're going to, and then, like I said, different instances, if you start working with them um, for different things, you'll find out which pendulum or which crystals or which stone works for you in what case. Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. Like when I've gone to like gem stores or if I anywhere and I see some crystals there, I it's almost like I'll see the one that I want. But then when I touch it, it's like extra confirmation. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we're these metaphysical styles of, of uh, or approaches to spirit communication, I think, are so important. I mean, I know some people are strictly and some people shy away from this word using science or scientific, but just relying on black and white data as opposed to, you know, um, the metaphysical approach. You know, I don't know. I, I, I tend to blend the two. I think it's important to blend both of those approaches. So sci the science I, I end of it and the metaphysical. Do you, do you agree? 
I absolutely, absolutely agree. Um, I'm pretty new to the technical end, but I have to say that I'm just actually blown away by the accuracy of some of it. So um, yeah. I would say when you learn, when you take the time to take a course and learn about how to do an investigation, then I would like slowly pick pieces of equipment and um, like K2 meters. Some people like them, some don't. I do. Um, I There's a, a lot of people that don't care too much for the SLS camera, but for myself, I've had two instances where there's just absolutely no way to dispute what we saw. So I absolutely. say, you know, don't... Yeah, we're, we're back to that. Don't limit yourself, you know, because if you limit yourself, you miss. I can't agree more. So this hour has radio just I don't know what it is with radio and time, but time just flies by so much. So we're we have about four minutes left. So can you tell people how they can reach you events that you well, you've mentioned the Port Gamble Ghost Conference? But, uh, you know, your right. social media yeah. channels, your website, anything that you want to give out, now's the time. Um, well, hopefully we'll be at Oregon um, Paranormal Conference this March. I hope things clear up. That's a really good place to meet up with uh, ops, the Oregon Peninsula Paranormal. Um, there, Mary Bethune is going to be teaching a very good class on the, the um the one happening in November. So I would, I would check that one out and that's Port Gamble, Port Gamble paranormal.com. I think. Sorry, I think I that's it. Have, yeah. Yeah. But, I think it is yeah, Port Gamble paranormal.com. Right. And then for, for, for ops, it's Oregon Peninsula paranormal society.com. And it tells pretty much about who we are and what we do. Fantastic. I actually was just a little bit earlier today. It's a beautiful site, lots of good information. So good job there. I can't thank you enough for joining me for this hour. This has been so fun and so educating. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for um, what you do for coming out and, and putting this out there because it, there's a need and um, what, a, what a better opportunity than radio because people are starting to pay attention more and listen. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for having me here and, and for of sharing and, and doing what you do. Absolutely. We'll get, cause we didn't touch upon some of the other topics. So we'll definitely get you back on again. I can't thank you enough, Linda. This has been a fabulous night. Next week, folks, next Thursday, I'm having Tammy Benjamin and Jason Cobb. They're fantastic investigators. I met them on the USS Hornet in Alameda, California. So looking forward to having them on. And I want to thank my listeners tonight. I hope you had a good time as much as much good a time as I did. And uh, I think that's it. So uh we will have the archive up of this show in about maybe half hour, an hour. It'll be available on WLTKDB.com as well as the major audio listening platforms. Again, I want to thank my guests this evening and my listeners. And we will see you next week on the Afterlife Chronicles. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great night. <laughs>